of Human Bondage by W. Somerset Maugham, Chapter One Hundred One. When Philip rang, a head was put out of the window, and in a minute he heard a noisy clatter on the stairs as the children ran down to let him in. It was a pale, anxious. Thin face that he bent down for them to kiss. He was so moved by their exuberant affection that, to give himself time to recover, he made excuses to linger on the stairs. He was in a hysterical state, and almost anything was enough to make him cry. They asked him why he had not come on the previous Sunday, and he told them that he had been ill. They wanted to know what was the matter with him, and Philip, to amuse them, suggested a mysterious ailment, the name of which. Double-barreled and barbarous, with its mixture of Greek and Latin, medical nomenclature bristled with such, made them shriek with delight. They dragged Philip into the parlor and made him repeat his edification. Athelney got up and shook hands with him. He stared at Philip, but with his round, bulging eyes, he always seemed to stare. Philip did not know why. On this occasion, it made him self-conscious. We missed you last Sunday, he said. Philip could never tell lies without embarrassment, and he was scarlet when he finished his explanation for not coming. Then Mrs. Athelney entered and shook hands with him. "I hope you're better, Mr. Carey," she said. He did not know why she imagined that anything had been the matter with him, for the kitchen door was closed when he came up with the children, and they had not left him. "Dinner won't be ready for another ten minutes," she said in her slow drawl. "Won't you have an egg beaten up in a, gla- in a glass of milk while you're waiting?" There was a look of concern on her face, which made Philip uncomfortable. He forced a laugh and answered that he was not at all hungry. Sally came in to lay the table, and Philip began to chaff her. It was the family joke that she would be as fat as an aunt of Mrs. Athelney, called Aunt Elizabeth, whom the children had never seen but regarded as the type of obscene corpulence. I say, what has happened since I last saw you, Sally? Philip began. Nothing that I know of. I believe you've been putting on weight. I'm sure you haven't," she retorted. "You're a perfect skeleton." Philip reddened. "That's a two coquet, Sally," cried her father. "You will be fined one golden hair of your head." Jane, fetch the shears. Well, he is thin, father," remonstrated Sally. "He's just skin and bone." That's not the question, child. He is at perfect liberty to be thin, but your obesity is contrary to decorum. As he spoke, he put his arm proudly round her waist and looked at her with admiring eyes. Let me get on with the table, father. If I am comfortable, there are some who don't seem to mind it. The hussy cried Athelney with a dramatic wave of the hand. She taunts me with the notorious fact that Joseph, a son of Levi who sells jewels in Holborn, has made her an offer of marriage. Have you accepted him, Sally? Asked Philip. Don't you know, Father, better than that by this time? There's not a word of truth in it. Well, if he hasn't made you an offer of marriage, cried Athelney, by Saint George and Mary England, I will seize him by the nose and demand of him immediately what his intentions are. Sit down, Father. Dinner's ready. Now then, you children, get along with you and wash your hands, all of you, and don't shirk it, because I mean to look at them before you have a scrap of dinner. So there. Philip thought he was ravenous till he began to eat, but then discovered that his stomach turned against the food, and he could eat hardly at all. 
His brain was weary, and he did not notice that Athelney, contrary to his habit, spoke very little. Philip was relieved to be sitting in a comfortable house, but every now and then he could not prevent himself from glancing out of the window. The day was tempestuous. The fine weather had broken, and it was cold, and there was a bitter wind. Now and again gusts of rain drove against the window. Philip wondered what he should do that night. The Athelneys were... The Athelnes went to bed early, and he could not stay where he was. And he could not stay where he was after ten o'clock. His heart sank at the thought of going out into the bleak darkness. It seemed more terrible now that he was with his friends than when he was outside and alone. He kept on saying to himself that there was plenty more who would be spending the night out of doors. He strove to distract his mind by talking, but in the middle of his words, a spatter of rain against the window would make him start. "It's like March weather," said Athelney. "Not the sort of day one would like to be crossing the Channel." Presently, they finished, and Sally came in and cleared away. "Would you like a twopenny stinker?" said Athelney, handing him a cigar. Philip took it and inhaled the smoke with delight. It soothed him extraordinarily. When Sally had finished, Athelney told her to shut the door after her. "Now we shan't be disturbed," he said, turning to Philip. "I've arranged with Betty not to let the children come in till I call them." Philip gave him a startled look, but before he could take in the meaning of his words, Athelney, fixing his glasses on his nose with the gesture habitual to him, went on. I wrote to you last Sunday to ask if anything was the matter with you, and as you didn't answer, I went to your rooms on Wednesday. Philip turned his head away and did not answer. His heart began to beat violently. Athelney did not speak, and presently the silence seemed intolerable to Philip. He could not think of a single word to say. Your landlady told me that you hadn't been in since Saturday night, and she said you owed her for the last month. Where have you been sleeping all this week? It made Philip sick to answer. He stared out the window. Nowhere. I tried to find you. Why? Asked Philip. Betty and I have been just as broken our day. Only we had babies to look after. Why didn't you come here? I couldn't. Philip was afraid he was going to cry. He felt very weak. He shut his eyes and frowned, trying to control himself. He felt a sudden flash of anger with Athelney because he could he would not leave him alone. But he was broken, and presently his eyes still closed. Slowly, in order to keep his voice steady, he told him the story of his adventures during the last few weeks. As he spoke, it seemed to him that he had behaved inanely, and it made it still harder to tell. He felt that Athelney would think him an utter fool. Now you're coming to live with us till you find something to do," said Athelney when he had finished. Philip flushed. He knew not why. Oh, it's awfully kind of you, but I don't think I'll do that. Why not? Philip did not answer. He had refused instinctively from fear that he would be a bother, and he had a natural bashfulness of accepting favors. He knew, besides that, the Athelneys lived from hand to mouth, and with their large family, had neither space nor money to entertain a stranger. Of course, you must come here," said Athelney. Thorpe will tuck you in with one of his brothers, and you can sleep in his bed. You don't suppose your food's going to make any difference to us? Philip was afraid to speak, and Athelney, going to the door, called his wife. Betty, he said, when she came in, Mister Carey's coming to live with us. 
Oh, that is nice, she said. I'll go and get the bed ready. She spoke in such a hearty, friendly tone, taking everything for granted that Philip was deeply touched. He never expected people to be kind to him, and when they were, it surprised and moved him. Now that he could not prevent two large tears from rolling down his cheeks, the Athelnys discussed the arrangements and pretended not to notice to what a state his weakness had brought him. When Mrs. Athelny left them, Philip leaned back in his chair and, looking out of the window, laughed a little. It's not very nice. It's not a very nice night to be out, is it? End of chapter 101.